earlier this week, I began hosting On Point, and also I joined the show before when I was going through that hurricane. And I have to tell you, it really, it really is something. I never want to see another jerry can again. And I know there are people that are still using them in Prince Edward Island. They're still using them. Nova Scotia, there is still a small amount that have not got power. However, this fund, $300 million, it sounds good. We know that the prime minister went to Atlantic Canada making some promises, but he didn't offer any details very, very shortly after the hurricane hit. And uh, we talk about what works in politics a lot and a prime minister, a premier, a councillor, whatever. We know that these kind of disasters can make or break any kind of a politician. Can I say Katrina and former President George Bush? It is very important. But is this $300 million relief fund, is it enough? And is it going to help? Kyle Douglas is going to help us out right now as we take a look at it. Co-owner of the recovery contracting firm CRCSDKI. Kyle, good evening. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me on today. Kyle, you're in the business of this. When you see $300 million for Fiona Relief for all of Atlantic Canada, what are you thinking here? Uh, I'm thinking uh, there's going to be a lot more money needed to bring back, you know, all those communities. Um, the infrastructure that was destroyed, the homes, uh, community centers, you, the, the amount of money that's going to require to build back everything that is there is probably going to be a lot more. So I know that $300 million is, you know, a complement of other relief funds that are in place with disasters. Um, but it's still something that it's there, but there, I think there will be more, hopefully more to come for that, for those uh, communities. It's just mammoth damage. And Kyle, we did see that kind of relief that was needed in the province of Ontario when the storm hit Uxbridge and it hit Ottawa earlier in May. And the numbers really increased, didn't they, in that rebuilding? What seemed the analysis at the beginning, it seemed like it ended up much more. Yeah, like you, you look at ground zero out of the gun. So you, you see the, you know, the major communities that were hit, but then there's a lot of rural areas. So with the Uxbridge um, tornado and that went to Ottawa as well, it, it hit a lot of other communities, but you just hear about the, the larger populated density areas that have uh, massive damage. So as the reports start to come in, you start to see how far a disaster actually reaches. Um, and out of the you know initial few days, few hours, few weeks, um, however you want to put it, you'll see that um, those numbers start to grow and increase because they start realizing how much damages are to um, properties, uh, to roadways, to um, electrical grids, like you name it, they're, they've all been hit and they're destroyed. You know, one of the big parts here is the electrical grid. A tree after tree down, just wiped out in all these provinces. Unprecedented, too. Historic landmark. That was used. And and the reason I want to bring that up is that kind of dangles the possibility, and there's been warnings, that this is part of the future. We even heard that with the storms in Ontario. They were weird. They were strange. They didn't... You know, I lived in Uxbridge and commuted to Toronto for a lot of years, and... I, I never thought that destruction would be possible there, but it is now. So if this is in the future, when we talk about building back the electrical grid, the big conversation too is, you know, I know you're into recovery, but there has to be, and I'm sure you know this, 
a different kind of recovery. And we're, what are minds thinking here as we look at how do you build back so-called better here? Yeah, you know, I think there's been a lot of great minds at the table discussing, um, you know, planning uh, for that type of, or these types of disasters that are, that are happening across our province and our country and in our communities. Um, it is a very tough one because there's so many different disasters. You can plan for water and you can plan for wind and then all of a sudden you get both at the same time or, uh, you know, a community could have a, a large fire that is from, you know, a mechanical disaster that then results in other types of things. So overall, it, it, it's pretty hard to plan for. Um, you really have to think about, you know, the safety of the people, what the community has to offer for recovery and community centers and, and different facilities like that. Um, it's very hard to sit down and have a pure plan, but I, you know, you feel for the communities like you were there. How were your emotions going through it and seeing it firsthand? Yeah, I mean, you just saw it. You just uh, scratched your head and said, "How are they ever going to put this back?" You turn a corner. There's a whole row on both sides down, and they're pressing, and some of them are snapped and dangling, and that's in the middle of nowhere. Maybe we say. And then in this in, in the cities, you see it as well, Kyle. You know, as you faced it, and I, this is what you do. Are you prepared, or con- are companies like you preparing for the fact that this could happen more and more? Yeah, we do plan um, and do analysis on it uh, nationally with our national organization, and then we go to the micro level with our smaller communities. Um, you have to have that emergency planning in place and and being able to respond to them. It is very difficult um, with the remote areas to have you know quick response because usually there's only traffic one way in one way out so um, it's very difficult and you know you feel for the community on the east coast and seeing what they're going through they faced a storm that we've never seen with the magnitude that it had and the power it had and it's going to play on a lot of people's emotions right now we're looking at structural damage and infrastructure damage but the emotional side of it is is months and months uh to process and still for them to face so we have to support them that way too it's just not the structure side it's very true very very traumatizing i can't imagine people what they feel when poof their house is gone we also those pictures in portabasque and Newfoundland. Uh, The Prime Minister says the fund is going to provide assistance over the next two years, repairing infrastructure. When you look at $300 it seems to me that could go in a flash. What do you think? Yeah, a lot of times when money is announced like that, it's to do, you know, a quick response to be able to get funding to municipalities. A lot of times municipalities and government officials and all the different layers in, in townships and communities Uh, don't have a a slush fund when it comes to disaster recovery. Uh, So this, this should help speed up uh, building back, you know, roads and bridges and, and wharfs and things like that, that are important to the communities that are economic engines for those communities. They otherwise will have nothing and they'll have no jobs. They'll have no pathway if, if they don't get that money in their hands to start rebuilding right away. And he says this is going to go to people who who are not covered, uninsurable losses of housing and stuff. A three hundred million, it looks great, but it's it's not that much, and that that was a lot of damage. So uh, the proverbial stay tuned. Kyle Douglas, a co-owner at the recovery contracting firm CRCS DKI. Kyle, thank you for joining us tonight. No problem. Have a great night.
I'm Arlene Bynan. Don't go away. This is On Point.